God's Work Displayed. Episode 4. Is Your Church Building Inviting and Accessible? So this episode, we're going to be discussing if the building that your church meets in on Sunday, mornings, evenings, whatever, on your regular basis, if that building is accessible for individuals with different disabilities, as well as it inviting and accommodating. And this is a big deal. We talked about the Imago Day, how everyone is made in the image of God. And so if we <clears throat> cared about other people, we're going to make sure that people can uh, come in and join in with the, the rest of uh, God's people. And so we need to assess whether or not our buildings are uh, accessible and if they're inviting, if the setup is inviting, and can we accommodate different situations. And before we get started with uh, more of the nitty-gritty, uh, I want to read Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, to kind of give us an idea of uh, why this is important, kind of the biblical model we have for do, doing accessibility. Uh, there's a lot of discussion in the book, and we'll talk about this later, why there's not really anything about people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities in the Bible. But there are a lot of things about people with disabilities in general in Scripture. And one of these cases is Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And in it, we're going to see how <clears throat> there is a disabled man who wants to get access to Jesus, and he's denied. But his friends make a way for him to get access to Jesus. So let's read this. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about it afterwards, and then we'll get into more of the details of what this episode is about. <clears throat> when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room not even near the door, and he was speaking the word for them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up, Pick up your pallet and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. Sorry, I went on to verse 13, too. So we see here that uh, Jesus is teaching. It's a, not It's not the church yet. It's a little too early for the church to be in existence, per se. But there's a gathering of people wanting to hear Jesus' teachings from the man himself. And uh, he's also been healing people. And it has the ability to heal people. And it, word's gotten around. So a paralytic man, somebody that's paralyzed, and we're not told the extent of the paralysis, but it doesn't matter. He requires to lie on a pallet. 
and there's four friends carrying them, so one at each corner, I'm assuming. And they're bringing him, they get to the house, and there's no way they can squeeze there. No one's letting him out. You know, people don't want to move. They don't want to let this dude in. He's he's sick, so he probably is a sinner. It's probably their view. And so the friends are like, we've got to get him healing. So they go up on the roof, and the roofs are not like our roofs. They were uh, earthen and not really earthen, but like a stucco and uh, straw kind of issue. And so they were able to kind of dig it out. And I'm sure the homeowner later was not happy about this. But they dug out a, ho- a hole, and they had ropes, and they were able to lower him down. And a lot of great pictures and artworks out there of this. Um, they made a way. And Jesus recognized that faith of the men, the friends of the paralytic. Now, I would say that he's also acknowledging that the paralytic had faith, too. Because uh, it's just a plural uh, of their faith. And so Jesus forgives his sins because he knows that this man is a sinner. All of us are. And that later in the in the account, he, he also heals him. And that's to show that I have the authority to forgive sins. And I'm not blaspheming because I still am able to heal. So that means I'm not sinning. I'm not offended God when I say sins are forgiven. And thus he heals the man. And the man gets up. He has no atrophy. God, Jesus even healed the atrophy when your muscles weaken and over time. And so he just brought healing. Now, we can't have this expectation that every time somebody comes to Jesus uh, with a request for physical healing, they're going to get it. But, and we see that that was not Jesus' main point either. The reason he forgave sins first is because he recognized that that was the greater need. So with our churches, with our gatherings, we have to acknowledge that the greater need is for our sins to be forgiven, to have a right relationship with God. And so with our buildings, um, when we allow people to come in, they are going to hear the gospel. Now, this is, should not be our primary mode of evangelism. Our primary mode of evangelism is us, each one of us individually going out and proclaiming the good news. But <clears throat> we... Those are also public services that we want people to come in and hear the good news as well. And we also want people to come in and hear the good news and be immediately connected to other believers if they believe. And so this is, this is the primary mode that we do that here in, in America and I think in a lot of other places as well. So this is kind of our a framework for what we'll do next. And before we... Uh, and so what we're going to do next is we're going to kind of do different than anything we've done before. I want us to picture in our mind's eyes we're listening uh, to these questions. I'm going to ask a series of questions. I want you to picture where you have your Sunday gathering service. And we're going to mentally walk through a person with severe and profound intellectual disabilities and their helper, who, who whoever it is, either a paid employee or uh, a family member or a friend, whatever, it doesn't matter. These people, these two people, when they show up how what's what they're going to experience and so i want you to just you can close your eyes if it makes it easier as you listen and picture and start and if you want to write down answers to these questions or think oh we gotta maybe we should do this or do that please do it um and also give me feedback on that if this has been helpful i'm just gonna try this out and we'll maybe try this with some other things as well before we get started let's pray that this will be a fruitful time for all of us, that we can better minister 
to others because um, this won't just the questions I ask won't just be beneficial for people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities. It'll be helpful for all sorts of people with all different types of physical and um, non uh, or invisible what we call invisible disabilities ones you can't see right off the bat. So let's pray. <clears throat> Gracious Father, we are thankful that you love your people, that you call us together to gather on a regular basis, that we are, uh, that's one of your commands is to meet on a regular basis and to encourage one another. But we also are thankful that we see that Jesus cares about people with disabilities and that he most importantly cares about their sins, but then he also cares about their physical uh, pain and suffering, and he can bring healing. We know that he reconciles all of us to you through himself. And so we just ask that uh, as we are ministers of reconciliation, we can make those uh, doors easier to open, that we can help usher in people to to a room of reconciliation, to meet with you through Jesus. And that, uh, as we think through these issues with our local churches, that we can think bigger, but we can also think more narrowly about our own homes, uh, how we meet with others, what we consider, what we think about as we go about um, proclaiming the good news to all people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so this is kind of imagination, so I want you to get your imagination hats on. <laughs> I guess I would, that's not really great, but and we're going to start thinking about um, some accessibility issues, but not just accessibility, but how inviting, how accommodating you are as a church. Now, before I want to have a caveat, I am not being critical of any church body uh, that may hear this. I have been a member at some different churches that have had limited uh, accessibility uh, or almost practically no accessibility, uh, and, and it's, it's a struggle. But, and I also recognize that these, a lot of these churches, I, most of the churches I've ever been a member of are small churches that don't have a lot of money. And so we have to think outside the box. We have to figure out other solutions. Um, but it may also require that we as a con small congregation would have to do a capital campaign for different accommodations um, rather than a new building. <laughs> or when you do build a new building, things are also things helpful things. Uh, I also know I've also been a member where we have not had our own building. I was in a church plant in college and we met in a theater. We met in an elementary school gym. We met in a, um, what's the last place? A storefront. Uh, so that was one place. And I was in another church plant when I started seminary that we met in uh, one church not a church building but they're they're like their fellowship hall and then we moved to a a theater in that school and a, and a high school close there and then we moved on to a gym and a, another school i see a pattern here um and so and there's some other and i've been in some bigger churches and then a smaller church and so there's a lot of different situations and so i'm not being critical of any of those you just have to make do with what you have um but as we think through that could be one of those at issues where as if you're a church plant and you're thinking through that this can be some part of your planning process perhaps uh, or um, 
and, and maybe even addressing it with whoever uh, owns, owns the building that you're meeting in. But if you're a small church, um, especially a small church that has a lot of older members, this might be worth it to spend your money on some of these things that we're going to talk about because your older members may have strokes soon or their uh, hip knee replacements or that other kind of stuff. And so we would just want to, we want to make sure that our members can get in as well as visitors. So let's start with the first place that you encounter as a new person, as a visitor, when coming to your church. Parking. Are there sufficient number of handicapped parking places? And I'm not talking about the little handicapped parking places that are just normal parking places, but just have the blue uh, symbol on it with the, with the, the handicapped symbol. That's fine for people who can, they just need a shorter distance to walk. But those are not really handicapped, accessible parking um, spots. What you really need, you need some handicapped spots where you have the spot, and then on either side of the vehicle, there is a lot of space, uh, the little blue slash marked areas that uh, can accommodate a, a wheelchair lift. Uh, so a lot of these people that with severe and profound intellectual disabilities are going to be in wheelchairs. And so for them to be able to travel, they'll have to get into a vehicle that has uh, tie downs for the wheelchair because they won't actually get out of the wheelchair and into a, a normal chair. They will stay in the wheelchair during the, tra the travel. They'll, they'll be tied down. There's, really, there's different ways that this is accomplished. And then uh, a lot of them, and then you'll have a lift. And so it'll just, it's like a little elevator in the vehicle and it needs a lot of room, at least the size of the wheelchair, but actually more. And so you'll need, essentially, you need another lot size um, parking space next to it that's for that. The reason I say that much space is because they also, I've seen this happen, so the lift will come down and then there's another car and there's no way for them to drive the uh, wheelchair off the, the ramp and onto the, the blacktop. And so you need sufficient maneuvering room for the wheelchair. And so a lot of people don't, don't think about that, don't realize that. So with your parking lot, do you have sufficient room for that? Now, because the reason I say that is instead of valet type area where they could drop off is because the person that's driving is probably, maybe, that may be the situation where they're the, the one attendant with the person. And they may not feel comfortable leaving the person with severe and profound intellectual disabilities with a bunch of strangers, even if it's out in the open. So uh, that's one question. Now, when it comes to rain and stuff, then they may. But uh, if it's a nice day, why not have that? So do you have enough of those spaces? Uh, perhaps, though, you have some people who like to park in the handicapped parking spaces that don't need them. Or maybe... They do have a handicap thing, but they don't need the, those kind. You really need to probably have some parking attendants. They, they go around and make sure that they do that um, to kind of say, no, this is it's not what you need. This is only for like handicap accessible vans. You may have to have a sign that says that specifically. Uh, and so parking attendants. The other nice thing about parking attendants, which I know that that means then, oh, well, you got to get more people to serve. Well, guess what? That's a blessing for the people serving and for the people visiting. Those people can meet you, the visitors in the parking lot. 
Uh, I would recommend if you do park in attendance that they have like a vest on or something that makes it very clear that <laughs> they are supposed to be there and they're not just some random person walking around <laughs> talking to people. And that's for comfort. Um, they will, because when I've been to churches that I've never been to before, I have the question, which door do I go in? Because a lot of churches have multiple doors. And if you get there at a time when you're not seeing people go in and out, or you have a wheelchair, is that door going to be a good door for me to go through? Is that where the uh, elevator is if I need to use it? You know, what, what door should I go in? So the parking attendant can be there to greet the visitor and then help them find the right door, either point into it or helping them go with them to it. That, so do you have somebody that can do that? Do you have people that can do that? And that's really a great job that a lot of people can do that, you know, if they don't want to work with the kids. Because that's, that's, I know that's where all the other workers are. So do, they have, do you have parking attendants? All right, so you get to the door. You get to the door you're supposed to go into. Well, first, is there a ramp for them to get into that door? Now, you may not need a ramp, and that's fine. Um, but do you have ramps that are safe to use? What What is the right slope for the ramp? Um, there are a lot of rules out there. I would You can look up what the Americans with Disability Act says. I don't necessarily recommend always using the governmental standards, but those are kind of the low bar for what you can go with. And so um, check those out for specific slope. They change sometimes. Uh, if you're going to pour a concrete ramp or build a wooden one, uh, I would recommend that you use a contractor that has experience with the Americans with Disability Act, by the way, because um, a lot of people don't read them correctly. So do, do, you need, do you have a ramp or is that needed? If not, that's fine. So you get to the door. Well, if somebody's pushing this chair, does your door have the automatic handicap opener thing? So like the button you push where it opens the door automatically. Do you have that? If not, do you have somebody there that's going to open the door and hold it open for them? And know how to hold it open too. You know, you got to be where you're not in the way when you hold the door open. So the parking attendant could do that, or do you have breeders in the, 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 the entrance, whatever you call that, when you come into your church building for your visitors? Another thing a lot of people don't think about is how is the transition from going outside to inside? So there's a lot of things going on with transitions. Transitions, as a rule, are difficult for um, people with disabilities. Um, and you're asking, well, what do you mean by transition? Well, I mean, and a physical transition as well as a uh, psychological, emotional transition. So first, the first part of transition is, you know, the bump with doors. Is that a big bump or is that smooth? Do you have it where it's pretty smooth? Because those chairs can be really heavy to push through. You don't want to jostle people, okay? They're, they could be medically fragile, so you don't want to, to bump them too much. So are those smooth transitions? Can you make them smooth? Okay, physically. More on the emotional, uh, psychological thing. When they come in, are they just shocked by what's in there next? Not the bad things shocked, but um, is it really dark or is it super bright? You know, both can be problematic. I know some churches like to go with uh, dark, darker to set the mood and all that, but that's actually, I find that stressful personally. Um, 
but also for somebody else that could be shocking especially if you're coming in from the bright sunshine and it's dark and then you can't see well so um i would advocate not having it dark having it well lit not super bright but just well lit but also all of a sudden there's is there going to be tons of noise is it going to be super quiet what is it now some of that noise you can't control but some of it you can so do you have music blaring for whatever reason or do you or there are a lot of kids screaming and maybe if you and it's like a group of kids and not like just families coming in with kids you know being kids so that's another question are um are do you have people greeting visitors and you probably do most churches do but do you have people who um are going to be um very open very accommodating very kind inviting when somebody with intellectual disability comes in now this is the tricky thing you have to acknowledge both people because both people are made in the image of god and both people as i mean the people the person that's in the wheelchair let's say and the person that's attending them the person that the caregiver may not be a believer either so you have it's kind of a two-for-one package deal here people you get to share the gospel with two people and so this is a really great opportunity to greet both of them to engage you know so are your greeters um going to come up and to greet them and, and meet them and uh just be open and kind and, and helpful uh, do you have greeters that have visible disabilities and that sounds like a weird question but that's going to put people with disabilities at ease because they're going to say this church does you know isn't ashamed of disabilities these people while they don't know totally what i go through they can kind of understand what i'm going through so um, i might have potential friends here or people who are sympathetic to my to my plight so if you have people you know this is a great way for people with dis- different types of disabilities to also be in the front front and if people are offended by somebody with a disability then they need the gospel <laughs> too so uh and that just says we the the church is built up by those the world considers weak you know god uses the weakest of us so um have greeters with visible disabilities if you can are the greeters going to say hey welcome we're glad you're here we're really thankful that you're here um you know are are they going to let them know that they are important the person that's visiting uh you want somebody that's going to communicate with the attendant and with the um person with a disability you're going to communicate where the location different things are you know as a when we've been as a parent and especially when we have little ones we and we would go into a church building we'd never been in before we wanted to know where a lot of things were because with kids you know you got to deal with all kinds of situations same with this like somebody with a disability what if they need to use the bathroom so where are the bathrooms you want to know that right off the bat you know because you don't want to have like an accident and then you have to leave early to go back to their home to change them so where are the bathrooms um and are these bathrooms uh handicap accessible so some of them might be and depending on your, how new or old your building is uh, some of these might be that but 
in this case, are you going to be able to change somebody that has a physical, like a severe and profound intellectual disability? So when I say that, you may not realize, but a lot of people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities require that, that they have to lay down <clears throat> and be changed essentially with, the, with what we call brief, but it's a diaper. Um, and so they have to lay down, you have to wipe them and clean them and stuff. Well, the baby, you know, you can find a lot of small, you can use a fairly small surface to do that with. But these are full-grown adults a lot of times that I'm, that I'm particularly talking about. But even with teenagers and even kids, you're going to need a bigger surface. So do you have an area that you can do that with? Um, and that's going to be, most churches will not. And that's one where um, you're going to have to maybe figure out a solution for that. And I would recommend that. So you're going to want accessibility to water. So if you can expand your bathrooms and then maybe have an area that has like a shower curtain across... And in that area, there's um, a sink, if nothing else, maybe even a, a spray area. At the least, you know, just like a equivalent of like a, uh, a, a table with, with cushioning on the top that can be easily wiped down, like a vinyl thing, where they can at least change them. Uh, and maybe even, if you can, put like disposable pads uh, on be available for them so they can put it down put the pad on so if there's a mess then they just when they're done changing them they can scoop up the pad put them put in the trash and, and then the caregiver doesn't have to deal with all that that makes their experience a lot easier and that says hey we you care you matter to us and if there's specific needs it's easier for that person to to deal with that so do you have bathrooms like that? And, and most will not. And so I just encourage you to think about that as, as an option. That might be an option later on. I now work with people with brain injuries, and sometimes that's also going to be an issue for somebody that has a brain injury. So you could, you know, you may have somebody in your congregation that's uh, 30s, 40s, 50s, 20s, you know, any age, and they get a brain injury. Maybe they're in a car wreck, not their fault, or, something, or even if it is, but if it doesn't matter. Uh, and now they need somebody to change them. So you don't know when that's going to come up, and that, that's just going to be a really easy thing that uh, makes life a lot easier for others. So I just think about that as an option. Um, but also, are there... So going back to the, the entrance, the, some places called the foyer or the vestibule or, vestibule or whatever you want to call it, but um, is there also areas where they can get some quiet... Because sometimes people with different disabilities, uh, some of your members even, just regular old people that don't have blatant disabilities, just need some quiet. Sometimes um, the music's too loud or overwhelming. Is there a way to get step out and take some quiet time? Maybe there's just it's emotionally overwhelming, whatever's what's going on with them, and they just need some quiet time. Or is there a quiet time room? Or is there a room that they can at least step out and get a break? So uh, that's that's that one. And then where is the service held? So depending on the building you're in, like I said, I've been in church plants that have been in all kinds of buildings. Um, you may not know how to get to the place where you need to go. And so uh, do you have people who can help direct that? Um, now, I, I've been in one church in the metropolitan area that I'm in that it felt like a, a giant airport, um, and I did not feel comfortable with that, even though there were people directing it. Um, so hopefully you're not going that big. And I would encourage giant churches to 
drop down in size <laughs> somehow. Um, all right, so where's our directions, how to get there? Will you will somebody walk with them to help them get in there? When you when you go into the room where the service is, um, one, is somebody going to escort you, make you feel welcome, help you find the right place? Is there going to be a place that a wheelchair will fit? Or are, is that person going to be stuck out in the middle of the aisle, which is really awkward for everybody involved. Um, so do you have kind of the insets in their pews, or if you have chairs, you could just take some, are you willing to to upset some certain traditionalists in your, your congregation and move some chairs so that the wheelchair can fit in there? Do it. Uh, if those people are mad, then you can have a talk about how the one another is affected that. So you can prefer one another uh, on them. <laughs> Not hard. Well, you may have to rebuke them, but in love, please. All right. So, somebody gonna come in, get them, kind of get them settled in the the room with the where the service is gonna be conducted. They're gonna get them settled. Depending on obviously when somebody comes in and when the service starts, you might have people talk with them and greet them or not. Um, one example I saw from the church I was at last, uh, it was really good, it was when there was widows that would sit by themselves, some of the members, um, and I did not do a good job of that, and that, that's the way area I can grow in. But Or we had just people sitting by themselves, even during the first song or during the intro or whatever, the announcements at the beginning, uh, people would get up and go, they would move their families and go sit with that person that was by themselves. So... Are you have? Do you see that? Are you going to have that when somebody with a disability is in there? You're going to have somebody make them feel them, make them feel welcome. Like you, you know, you're just as important as me, and I don't want you alone. Because that caregiver, yes, they are a person, but I want think of that as a package deal, okay? And so don't they're both kind of alone, okay? So join, you know, have people join them if you can, or are you going to do that? That's a simple something simple that any church can do. You don't need money to do that. This is just loving on people. All right. So now we're into the service. Now some of the people with severe and profound intellectual disabilities will make a lot of sounds. They may move around because, frankly, they get uncomfortable. Don't you? You move around your pew or your seat. So are you going to have people in your congregation glaring and staring at them? And I'm not talking about little kids staring. That that's where the parents can talk with them about that. You know, I've got a son that stares at people on it. We are always talking to him about it. So, um, are you gonna have that? Um, if they make noise, are they gonna be hushed or shushed um, for that? That's not acceptable. And uh, there's one book coming out uh, of such as the kingdom, such as the kingdom. And I'll. I, I, I think I'm saying the title wrong. By Summer Kinchard. I'll have to double check. I just I, I read the book. Um, it just came out. I'll give a review of that soon. It's a really great book. Uh, some caveats, though. It's written, written from an Eastern Orthodox position. So it's kind of strange if you're not familiar with that. Um, but she she has a really good section about never shushing people in church. And, and I'm with her on that, totally. If you have members who shush others, then you need to take them aside and rebuke them 
strongly. This is that is totally unacceptable to shush people. Someone with a severe and profound intellectual disability, or let's say you have somebody with autism spectrum in there, there's all kinds of neurological things that could happen. Maybe somebody with Tourette's, you know, they don't have control over that. So, but so people make different noises. So they may make a grunting noise, but that may be the noise that they make when they are praising God. The caregiver will know better. They'll know that person. So they might shush the person. That's a different situation. But people in your congregation have no right to shush or hush them. If I go into a church, um, if, I, if I've been in church, I've, I've done pulpit supply where some people have made some noises. It doesn't bother me. I mean, it, it might startle me. I'm not going to lie. It might start, and it might startle you. And that's okay. That startles a startle reflex. And that's all it is, a reflex. Um, but it doesn't bother me. I don't know the situation. I don't know what's going on. Just whatever. It doesn't matter. You know? Don't worry about it. And, and don't let your congregation do that. And when I say you rebuke those people, I'm not saying the pastors just have to. Remember... As, as members of a, of, of a body of believers, we are called to encourage and to rebuke one another. It's very clear in Scripture. So um, if you're listening and you're not a pastor and you know somebody that shushes other people in church, then then you need then it's your responsibility to call them out in their sin because that's a sin. Um, that's just it's just hateful really. It's, it's, a, it's not it's putting their own preferences above others. And it's also uh, could be squelching the spirit in some ways. So you just don't know. Um, <clears throat> so no sh- no shushing, no glaring, no staring. Okay, just just relax. Let people worship as the Lord is leading them to in your service. And for those of you who are in the regulative principle, it's okay too. All right, the Lord works in <laughs> in that. Um, so. Also, depending on the timing and when they get into the service, is one of your pastors or elders going to try to come by and speak to them? And they may not have time before the service gets started, and I recognize that. Um, But will they be able to after the service? And not all churches do a meet and greet time, believe it or not. Um, A lot of us who are introverted do not like those, so um, a lot of churches have gone away from those to our great rejoicing. So, but after the service, you know, elder, pastor, uh, they, one of them trying to speak to them. And, my, and also, I'm under the assumption that, that you're following a biblical model of having a plurality of elders in your church. Um, <clears throat> you, can, you can email me at gotsworkdisplayed at gmail.com if you don't like that. Um, and, and that's fine. So, <clears throat> then we move on to the service proper. Um, we're not going to this episode discuss baptism or the the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, Eucharist. Uh, we're going to do that in the next episode, so I'm going to skip through that um, issue. But we're just going to kind of talk about the general principles of, of worship service. Um, is the music so loud that it hurts their ears? And I think that's, I've been in some churches where that, that's been an issue, and in my immaturity, I would have said, too bad, get over it. But uh, I think the Lord has matured me in that, and uh, he's making me old, too. And 
I, I don't, that's not necessarily good. Okay. Now I do like some loud music personally in my own personal time, but, uh, when we are together as a congregation, it's for one another's benefit and encouragement. And so that is one area where that's probably not encouraging to a lot of people. And so, um, we don't want to have super loud music. Also for some people that that's a sensory overload. And so somebody that already has trouble processing information, somebody with an intellectual disability, all that stimuli coming up, coming in is going to be way too much. That also goes for the lighting. So, <clears throat> so if you have a, a light show kind of deal going on with your church, which there's some other issues going on there, but that's also going to be overwhelming for somebody with uh, sensory issues. And so I would really discourage you from doing that. If you're doing that, stop it. I, honestly, I just think you should stop it. Um, it's not it's not necessarily edifying nor um, beneficial for people. Because then it's just a concert and not a worship service. Um, also, or is the music too quiet? And the other thing is, is somebody with intellectual disability, there's a good chance they have a um, hearing uh, disorder or they just can't hear well so they're hard of hearing so is it sufficiently loud so that you can hear it you know you may have some older people who also are hard of hearing can they hear the musical instruments can they hear the people leading the songs now they i don't expect them to hear every person in there but also is is your congregation the singing congregation it should be if you're there just to watch the show and let other people sing, then then you're not there for the right reason. You should be singing um, for your own joy, your worship of the Lord, but also to encourage those around you. So make sure that your music is sufficiently loud and the people leading it are sufficiently loud enough for those who are hard of hearing. Um musical stylistically I, I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't do that's a tough call that's kind of a, more of a conscience issue it also depends on if you go with the relative or the normative principle and that's kind of up to you if you don't know what that is don't worry about it it's not a big deal <clears throat> um, so so just think about those things lighting is a big deal um, is the room too dark and that kind of stressful freaks them out or is it too bright you know i'm thinking of uh with that the crystal cathedral that was too bright don't have anything like that it's too much uh just have a well-lit room i think is probably your best way um in terms of like your processing for um vision uh, vision takes up a lot of our processing power and of our brains and so we want to have good lighting so that <clears throat> Our brains aren't being overtaxed, uh, trying to discern what a person is seeing. Uh, so that so that matters. Uh, that that's true for everybody, but particularly with somebody with a processing issue, you know, intellectual processing issue. Is your service orderly, or is it chaotic and confusing? Now, if you're from a charismatic uh, tradition, you're probably not going to like my. My caricature of, of maybe that, but I'm not. Um, but I've been in those who are not charismatic traditions, and it's kind of chaotic and confusing. Um, that were, even though they were kind of the opposite end of kind of boring and 
uh, droll, I still didn't know what was going on. So, um, uh, so I, I think that yes, like if you have an order service and a bulletin or something that's helpful, uh, maybe this could be really helpful for the caregiver, and so then they can help walk the person through um, what's going on, even if that person can't read. Um, and then also if your members kind of know what's going on, they're going to know what's going to happen next. Um, and it's just easier to follow along. So I would really encourage, uh, to try to make sure that your service is orderly and actually Paul kind of commands it, not kind of, he does command that. Um, and so in one of the Corinthian letters, and now I'm blanking out on that, but it is, you know, we need to have orderly services because we serve a God of order not a god of chaos so um uh, i would say just make your services orderly the lord makes himself known and um and so i don't worry about that your job is not to make the holy spirit move your job is to faithfully obey jesus and so that includes your service times um, so and just because somebody isn't having a very physical manifestation of the word of the Holy Spirit does not mean that the Holy Spirit's not working in them. The greatest miracle we see now is when they, God takes a dead heart and makes it alive. And so that's what we want to see in our services is that the person is hearing the word spoken, hearing the gospel spoken through sermon, through reading of different biblical texts, um, and through the songs that we choose. And there's a lot of terrible songs out there, but choose good songs. Um, and that's, the songs are really important because those are ones that, songs are easier for us to remember, and even with somebody with intellectual disabilities. Songs, I, I can recall, like, being able to, I can sing, uh, I could sing some hymns to some of the, some of the people I worked with, and, um, some of them they didn't know, but some of them they would remember from their childhood. And so, this is, you know, 30, 40 years on since they'd last heard heard it much. Um, and so, you know, it sticks with people. And so that and so they're hearing the gospel when it's being sung. So I pick good songs, not ones that have a lot about what we as people are doing, but ones about what the Lord has done, particularly with in terms of what Jesus has done, his work. But also about that, who God is. All right, so on to that is so the next part, and this is to you, those of you who are pastors or want to be pastors, um, is your sermon clear? Now, I don't expect you to bring down your sermon to where somebody with an intellectual ability of an 18 month old can understand it. I don't have that expectation. There's, it has to be up to a certain level just because even reading comprehension of the Bible requires a certain level. But is it clear? Can that caregiver understand it so that they can explain it? Are there basic points that that person can re be reminded of uh, when they hear it? So make sure that your sermon is clear. And and also with speech clarity, which that's a big issue. These are kind of the basics. Um, work on your preaching. Uh, keep at it. Uh, so just make sure that they're clear. And um, bring it down enough, though, that the kids in the congregation can understand it. Hopefully you're not sending all your kids out. You know, I 
what age that's a kind of a debatable thing but uh, don't send your teenagers out that's for sure make sure they're in the service they need to hear it and because they're you know and uh, down to at least a certain age and that's kind of up to your church but don't send them all out they need they need to hear the service sermon and so make sure the sermon is for the most part understandable to those kids okay but not just don't cater just the kids but where it's comprehensible to them so all right so when the service is over is it going to be easy for that person with the disability and the caregiver to navigate back out of the building uh, and back to their van uh, is it kind of a mass riot to get to the doors <laughs> in that case you may have some other issues you got to deal with um, is it easy to figure it out or was it kind of hard enough and they had to be guided there and so now they need to be guided back out if they do need to get guided and back out do you have people who are going to help guide them out help them through those doors transitions help them get to the van you know make sure that they can get to the van help the person back the van out even i mean those I, i've driven some handicapped vans those are beasts and they're hard to drive so um because they're just big vehicles with a lot of blind spots um hopefully have, they have good mirrors but uh, are you willing to help them do that even maybe that's and that's another job the parking attendants can help with helping them get out um or if they need to get to the bathroom are you going to have people help them get to the bathroom um are they going to be stopped and not this is not a bad thing are they going to be stopped are people going to try to speak to them take time to speak to them now it's one thing if the caregiver's like i'm sorry we really have to go we have to blah 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 to be there in time whatever you know they're the time for their meds we gotta get their back home that's fine <clears throat> but are you going to have people not just the pastors but people in your congregation who are going to talk to the caregiver to the person who who they brought to find out more about them to engage them like you do any visitor uh, any guest and say like hey how are you did you like your service um did you i hope you felt welcome i'm really glad you're here that's not just a greeter's job um where do you, you know try to find information do you want to come back are you interested in other things what you know i'd love to get your contact info can we get your contact info depending on where they live they may or not may not be able to give you all that info that's gonna some hipaa violations depending on that situation now if it's a family member that's not a big deal but if they're like a ward of the state it's a different issue but that's one that can be navigated through later on um are you but the big question is are you have people who want to get to know this person and i'm not just saying because that's what they're supposed to do but they see a person who god has made and are they wanting to get to know that person because they're another image bearer so as you're listening and you're are you you can be that person say hey that's another image bearer i want to get to know them I want to make sure that they hear the gospel not just because they're a project but because i love them and care about them so that's your job as you when you see somebody and visit your congregation okay do so when this person leaves are they going to feel like they were loved and they were cared for and there was compassion and they feel maybe a, a little connection okay so that's that's what we strive to do like I said, this should not be our primary evangelism strategy. This is when people will come. 
our primary evangelism strategy is that we go as messengers and tell the good news. All right. So there's a lot of questions early on, especially like structural issues. Uh, is your church accessible and accommodating? Can people get in and out? All that kind of stuff. Think about it. Um, send me an email. Seriously. God's work displayed at gmail.com. There's all one word, no apostrophe. If you have questions or comments, also feel free to leave stuff on the web page uh, or the Facebook page. Um, the questions or comments, we can engage on there as well. I'm happy to 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 deal with that and and to talk more about that. And I think these are really fruitful discussions we can have. Uh, our next episode, I'm planning on doing the ordinance, what we call the ordinances. Uh, so that's baptism and uh, the Lord's Supper, and we may just address some of the issues of membership as well and and touch on a little bit of evidences of grace, uh, and I'll explain that term if we get to it. Well, we eventually will, but not necessarily in the next episode, but that's the plan at least. Uh, I realize I've gone a little long, but I hope this has been useful and helpful to you, and so um, please please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, um and tell others about the, the podcast. Uh, just get more listeners, more people engaging with this um, so that we can serve others better and to, to love those that God has made. So I hope you all go in the peace of Christ and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the next episode. Take care. Bye.